Welcome to Get Smart Politics. It is Monday, June 6, 2022, and that means it's time for your political cheat sheet for this week. Today is 155 days until the November midterm election, about 22 weeks, and we're 883 days from the next presidential election, which is about 29 months. All right, Eric, what are our top three storylines for this week? Well, first up this week, I think, is this big report that came out from NBC News in the middle of last week. The title of it was Inside a Biden White House Adrift. And I think that wraps it up pretty nicely. There's just so much dysfunction right now and people pointing fingers at one another from inside the White House. Uh, This was a pretty deeply reported story. They had a lot of inside sources and even some high level political people who said that the president is really frustrated right now. He feels like his staff is not allowing him to be him. Um, and the staff is frustrated that they don't believe they're catching any breaks and everything's going against them right now. So we're about five months away from the election. So what is this going to mean? Well, this is often what you start to see when elections are not trending the way of the party in the White House. They start to uh, have this finger pointing campaign where people start to lay the groundwork for why that's not going to be their fault if they lose. And I think that's exactly what we're starting to see here. The The president's approval ratings have just been abysmal so far. They're actually at a historic low for any president all time at this point in their wow. presidency. That's crazy. Yeah, lower than President Trump was at this point in his term, but also any other president um, since Harry Truman, actually. Wow. So that's really uh, a terrible sign when you're looking at a November election that's only five months away, as you say. Also, the right track, wrong track, wrong track number, which is something that people look at a lot in the lead up to elections, it, it can be pretty predictive of how a party in power is going to do. It's been dropping off the cliff through the, throughout the month of May, actually. Right now, the wrong track is 70.3%. So that means out of all the Americans that were polled, 70% of them thought the country was on the wrong track. And that's down a lot since the beginning of May. It's down uh, like 20 points overall since the beginning of May. It's really not looking good, and I think you're starting to see that come out. Okay, well, we have something else on the docket that might change things. We'll see. Um, We've got some gun bills on the floor this week. Talk to me about those. Yeah, so the House of Representatives is planning to have a couple of votes on Wednesday and Thursday of this week on two bills that are related to gun violence um, that they think may, may move the needle on that. And that is the um, Federal Extreme Risk Protection Order Act. That's the red flag uh, laws that they've been talking about a lot in the wake of the two big shooting uh, events over the past couple of weeks. And then the Protecting Our Kids Act is one that was introduced right after the Uvalde um, incident. And it is really wrapping a bunch of different gun uh, legislation into one big bill. They're going to try to vote on both of those on the House floor towards the middle and end of this week. Okay, so what do you think that's going to look like? What's the realistic picture here? So politically, I think that it's a foregone conclusion almost that these bills are both going to pass with almost a strict party line vote. Um, the thing that's really been causing some people some uh, some question and concern over the way it's been handled, and, and I agree with this, is uh, wrapping all of those bills together into one big vote is Politically, I don't think a very great idea for the Democratic leadership in the House. It would force Republicans to split out their votes and uh, go on record for or against 
individual pieces of that legislation if they were to break it up and try to pass one at a time. Instead, they've decided to wrap it all together and just try to shove one big package through the through the House. Like I say, a lot of the Democrats have actually been complaining about that tactic as well within the House about the way their uh, leadership has chosen to do that. And I agree. I think that they would be much better off just from a political standpoint to try to force those votes to be on record if they're going to uh, go through anyway on party line votes. Maybe make everybody stick together um, on their individual pieces. When you when you wrap them into one big package, it gives them uh, gives the Republicans more of a rationale to vote no um, because they can point to one little thing that they didn't like in the bill. Got it. Well, a big discussion in the country lately has been how quickly the public moves on from stories, and we're seeing that um, with some of the gun violence stories of the past few weeks. But we're also definitely seeing that with the Ukraine war, um, the war in Ukraine. We're losing interest in that. Yeah, it's really a pretty sad situation. When you look at just how long this has been going on, it some, in some ways feels like it's been a really long time. But actually, just last week, we crossed the 100-day mark. Um, if you look at the Google search terms, which I put a screenshot of that in the newsletter today, the um, the search interest in Ukraine peaked in late February, and since then it's returned to actually below where it was before that. It's lost 98% of the interest over that period of time. And what we've actually seen some reports in the past week is that the Russians have turned their strategy around and are actually starting to gain ground and uh, pick up territory in Ukraine. It's really a bad situation because Ukraine is not going to win a war of attrition. Russia has more people to throw at it. They have more resources to throw at it. So that means that Ukraine really needs to galvanize public support around the world and get that attention back on this situation or else long term, they're probably not going to be able to pull this out. All right. So on the calendar, what do we have coming up? We have some big primaries this week. Right. Last week, we didn't have any primaries. We had a, a week of a breather there. Yeah. Um, but this week, there's several We're that are... coming in hot. Yeah. There's uh, several that are really interesting. Um, so going in, in alphabetical order of the ones that are this week, the first one is California. Of course, that's our most populous state. And we have an interesting situation there where Senator Alex Padilla is trying to get his first full term. And it's a weird deal because he's actually on the ballot twice on the same ballot because he was appointed to fill out Vice President Kamala Harris's full, uh, the rest of her term. But that appointment only goes to the end of her term. Well, oddly, the appointment really lasts until um, the there can be a general election that intervenes. That would be in November, November 2nd. So his appointment ends November 2nd rather than the end of the term. So between November 2nd and January 3rd, they have to elect someone to hold the seat for two months. It's ridiculous. Total oh, waste wow. of money and time. Yeah, absolutely. And a great way to confuse the yeah, people exa- voting. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, if things aren't confusing enough. Yeah. So there's the same guy on the ballot two on two separate uh, sections of the ballot in California. But we're expecting Senator Padilla to easily win that two-month term to finish out the, the last two months of... Um, Vice President Harris's term. And then um, he also is on the ballot for the primary that would be uh, for the full, the next full term of that Senate seat. We're certainly expecting that he's going to win that and um, be one of the two that advances to the general election in November uh, to win a full six-year term. 
Okay. And I'm guessing he's a Democrat. He, that's correct. I'm okay. sorry. I should have mentioned that. He is a Democrat. He was appointed by Governor Gavin Newsom to fill out the rest of that term. Got it. Um, now, also, in, in California, the House has 52 seats. The, the, it is kind of interesting to note that the 2020 census is the first time in American history that California has lost a seat in a redistricting because it has been growing for 170 years straight. And uh, it's still growing, but not as fast as the rest of the country. So they lost one seat in the latest redistricting and are going to have to um, cut out from 53 to 52, cut out one seat from their their overall total. But I think that we'll see, they have an interesting system in California as well. It's called a jungle primary, where every candidate from every party is on one ballot. And the top two vote-getters regardless of what party they're from, move on to the general election. That can always create some um, unforeseen consequences and outcomes. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of all of those 52 seats that are up for grabs. And a lot of times you'll get two Democrats running against each other in the general or two Republicans. Um, And, you know, that's what it was intended to do is mix it up and force the people who were really liked the best to be on the general election ballot. Well, now for something completely different. Our next primary is Iowa. Yeah, not nearly as exciting, I think, in Iowa. Uh, Senator Chuck Grassley is running for another term. He is in his late 80s. He's expected to uh, win handily this year, though, in his general election matchup against Abby Finkenauer, who is a former congresswoman from Iowa. Um, No problem with either one of them making it through the primary um, also, they do have um, four pretty competitive congressional seats there, but it doesn't look like the uh, the primaries will be too bad. Most of the um, results there are almost foregone conclusions, but in the general election, we're going to see a lot of interest on Iowa because of how close those districts are. Okay. Um, now for Montana. Yeah, no Senate race in Montana, but another kind of interesting thing is Montana went from having one at-large congressman for the past decade to now having enough people to split it into two congressional districts. All right, Montana. Yeah. And weird thing, too, a little bit of trivia. Montana, a few years ago, had two districts. They lost enough population or, you know, fell behind other states enough to go to one at-large district. Now they're coming back, bringing back to two districts. That's the first time any state has ever done that. They've never lost a seat and then gained it back to go from one to two. So um, they're going to have to split their state in half. And the current uh, representative is expected to win his seat, no problem. And uh, the other seat that's a brand new district has a lot of people running for it, including some pretty nationally known figures like Ryan Zinke, who was the um, Interior Department secretary under uh, President Trump and also was a former congressman. But there's several other people in the race that I think might make that outcome pretty interesting. Okay. Well, good job, Montana. All right. New Jersey. Sure. New New Jersey isn't um, as exciting. Most of the incumbents there are running for re-election and are expected to win handily. The 8th District is um, the one that is uh, has a retirement. That's Representative Albio Sires. He is a Democrat. He's retiring. And so that open race is probably going to be pretty competitive. And uh, there's one race that leans R plus three, but it's currently held by a Democrat. Tom Malinowski. So in the general election, that one is expected to be very competitive um, in a wave year. The Republicans may take that one over. So there's a lot of people running in that seat uh, for the Republican nomination because they smell blood in the water. Okay, so two more. New Mexico. 
New Mexico is a, an interesting redistricting situation because they uh, did a really good job of trying to balance out their districts. This year, um, they had three districts and kept three districts, but they the three previous districts were a lot more polarized than the ones that are going to be under the new map. The new map has some pretty close to even districts, so um, I think you're going to see a lot of competitiveness in those races. It looks like they have some strong candidates uh, on both sides of the aisle running in those, so um, we'll certainly be one to watch in the general election. I think that the primary won't have a, a lot of fireworks, but definitely will be a place that a lot of national attention gets focused when we get to November. Okay. Last one we're watching is South Dakota. Yeah, and sorry to end on the anticlimactic note, but it's, <laughs> you know, we're going alphabetical order. South Dakota, they um, have a Senate seat up for re-election. That's Senator John Thune. He's expected to coast to victory, no problem. And then in the House, they have one at-large seat. Representative Dusty Johnson holds that. There have been a, a few rumblings about a primary challenger there that is um, maybe going to get pick up a few votes, but the polling all looks like he's going to win it pretty handily. He's up by 30-some points. Well, it looks like we're going to have a lot of things to watch this week and a lot of things to talk about next week. So we'll see you then. Thanks for joining us.